0: I'm Mark Steadman, and I've never been in detention. I'm Danny Smith, and I was in... Detention. I was never been in detention. I have never been in detention. <laughs> I'm John Banson. and I was
1: quite looking forward to double French before I found out what it was.
2: I'm John Hickman and I got picked last for
3: games.
1: It was on display in the bottom of a locked filing cabinet, stuck in a disused lavatory with a sign on the door saying, Beware of the Leopard. From the
3: outpost, this is Beware of the Leopard. This is the bit of the Hitchhiker's Guide where you can write in your own answers at the end, because uh, it's uh, uh, apparently a quiz and y- you have answers. Anyway... Um, we are covering the topic of school and specifically going back to school, since it is now the uh, September times ish. They are encroaching. They are encroaching. That's what they are doing. Um, they are approaching and approaching, uh, as uh, as as time often does. Do we have any school memories that any of us would like to preserve?
0: Well, I just want to I just want to point out with my introduction. I, despite all appearances, I never ever actually had a detention in the whole of my
3: school career. That is impressive. I mean, it's you. No, I mean, you know, sorry, but... <laughs>
0: I was suspended a couple of times.
3: <laughs> Straight for the jackpot. Uh, yeah, those
0: were things that I couldn't necessarily talk my way out of, but detentions are relatively simple.
3: We had one where our whole class got detention, and oh, it was, a, uh, it was a, an in-lunchtime uh, in thing. Uh, and in fact, no, it was it was at the end of the day, and all it was which which was a great system um is that we went to our he- year of our head of year and we had to go into the, uh, into the classroom where she wrote our name down and told us to go away cuz she just wanted to make sure that we'd actually turned up that was all she was interested in
0: uh, oh wow. she's trying to catch actually, a, that's the a good system it's like up.
3: yeah you did you did the thing you 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 behaved honorably um yeah I want to know what you did now, Mark. It was the whole class, so I—I I was. We doing that thing when you were humming,
1: <laughs> <laughs> and the teacher goes round and. Um- as long as someone's
3: continually humming, they can't tell where it's coming from. It's a it's a great system. I I wish I was popular enough to be in on those jokes when they happened. Um, but as it as it stood, I was quite sort of. You see, I was I was a weird one because I had a teaching assistant with me a lot of the time. So my whole sort of classroom experience, like I couldn't really get involved in those because I had a narc. <laughs> Sitting to the left of me, writing everything down that was on the blackboard. I've got to tell you, as
0: uh, somebody that's worked as a teaching assistant, I totally would have been in on it too. Like, I <laughs> yeah, you would, yeah, you
3: would, you would have
0: You would have instigated it. 100% in on it. Yeah. We used to yeah. get our digital watches and reflect the sun, right, where the teacher's eyes, we, we reckon they would be when he turned around. Goodness gracious! When he turned round, he was completely blinded for like, (laughs) and and was unable to point. He was a complete bastard. This guy. That's like.
2: When when marks marksmen marks people um, track in front of the target because they know where the target they need to be there before the target gets there. That's oh, what not, you do doing. M- marks not marks not marksmen. men <laughs>
3: marksmen. I mean yeah. that's that's impressive. Not my that's, men.
2: that's no not your name. That's a skill, Danny. That is. Oh, we all got really good at it as well. Like, suppose you didn't get the tap on the shoulder from MI5 for that one. That's-
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> We've noticed you have a certain moral flexibility. <laughs> Pretty good
3: with watches. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> They are very neat. They are. I did once knee a teacher in, directly in between the boobs. What? Knee? Uh, sorry, I didn't knee. I, I elbowed her. Sorry, that's that a completely different Where the fuck was her scenario. Head? A I wish. I wish. Well, you know, once you get to a certain age. Yeah, knees and elbows are different things. <laughs> Turns out, lads, you don't know your knees from your elbow. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did. I did knee my. No, I did elbow my uh, uh, design. No, it was art. She was very timid. <laughs> And, sorry, sorry, sorry. yeah, no, the, the, the reasoning being, so listener, um, we're, we're recording in a platform that allows us to see each other's faces and John Bounds just looks so patient. He's just sort of, he's just got a face, <laughs> a face of a man who's just patiently waiting for the story to be over. Um, I, I used to get a lot of those taps on the shoulder from, from my kids at school because, you know, as we've already established, um, I had a teaching assistant. So, you know, I was sort of, target and so i used to just get that annoying like you know tap and then you look round and and obviously there's no one there and on the third time it happened i got a double tap on the shoulder and i just went bang and just elbowed whatever was behind me and it turned out that it was my rather timid art teacher who actually just genuinely wanted to tap me on the shoulder (laughs) and just Got it right, in, right into into the chest. Wall. What is the naughtiest
0: thing that you did at school? I want to get a gauge for you guys because I don't know where to I don't know where to begin my stories.
3: I don't, do we go naughty Because I I can predict where we are here. Do we go naughtiest to nicest, or the other way around? I'm I'm the nicest, right? No, I think I think. I think, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm nicest, and then I think it's you, John, and then it's and then it's Bounder, and then it's definitely. Done. I
1: mean, Go on, then. Well, let's see if the story stack up. I think you're wrong, Mark. But, uh,
3: oh, oh, all right. Well, you have the floor, sir. Please go first. I, I, I never got
0: in trouble. All right? Yeah, but you must have done something naughty. <laughs> yeah, but no, no. Did you? Yeah, but you could
3: you could have done naughty things and not got caught.
2: Well, yeah. Uh, ah. Um. So the one time I got bunked, uh, the one time I bunked off school, I got caught. And I was in the library reading books about Shakespeare, and I got let off. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: Aww. Oh, oh, God, buddy! Oh,
0: that that brings down the level of story that I'm going to actually tell down by a few. <laughs> like, <laughs> Jesus
3: Christ,
1: Hickman! You'd have chalk on your back in a in a rude way if I was. Oh
3: thinking. my God! I mean. <laughs> oh God. Okay.
1: That was wow. the
2: naughtiest thing I ever did, Mark.
1: I wow. I've, so I didn't I'm not sure I've done actually I've probably done loads and those naughty things. It, it, there's a a very, a properly naughty thing that I never got caught for. There's um in my last year of uh juniors I was ill on the day of the maths exam. Mm-hmm. And um they let me take the exam the next day I was in, which is I guess is not really important, it's not like a GCC or anything. And um, what, uh, I don't know, our school was, um, I guess, lazy. You used to get the same maths exam every year. Ah. Ex- the exact same paper. Mm-hmm. And I guess you you would uh, assume that um, kids would get better and better every year because they'd been taught more and they'd get better at maths. And I was already quite good at maths. And um, I was left alone in the corridor. And what they hadn't realised is I'd got a uh, calculator watch... So I was in, I was only a couple of questions away from uh, doing it, and then I did the rest of the things on my little watch there, where no one was watching. So I got a hundred percent in my maths exam, mm-hmm. and I've got absolutely no idea whether or not I would have got the questions right if I hadn't have cheated, <laughs> because I was I was clever enough to get a hundred percent, so not only breathe rent right, you know, but um, I, yeah, I think I mean I've I got naughtier as I got older. That was um, that's classically naughty,
3: Mark. I had a memory that occurred to me a few weeks ago, and I, I sat with it, and it just made me laugh so much because it was it was so puerile. And I'm amazed that I never got caught. It's really embarrassing. It's not naughty, but it's puerile. Um, I got into a phase from about year nine when I used to draw when we used to you know handwrite everything. I used to draw W's. As big, bouncing boobs, like really <laughs> rounded Ws. So I used to draw Ws as, ma- as a massive cleavage. So they were really sort of round. And I then got into a phase because that wasn't enough. The thrill of doing that wasn't enough. So I used to put nipples on my Ws. <laughs> <laughs> and I never got caught. I was, wow. convinced, I was convinced at some point they were going to see these pendulous, filled Ws um with with nipples um and, uh, and 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 I never got caught i hate to
1: see what your eyes look like
3: yeah. <laughs> um i yeah I, I i bunked off a couple of times and never really copped much flack for it um i i wasn't naughty i was very i was not a good student at all i was very scatterbrained so i got in trouble a lot but not because i was naughty just because i was bad at being a school kid right let's brace ourselves daniel okay there are the floor? there are three main naughtinesses
0: that okay. i can recall um apart from one really bad one
3: that i'm absolutely won't talk about now is that to protect the listener our friendship <laughs> the legal system what is the reason for not bringing that one to our attention
0: uh, two out of the three that you just mentioned Cool, 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 uh, cool, 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 So the first one is uh, not that funny, but it is also quite naughty, is um, a friend of mine acquired a credit card from a place that I'm not going to talk about, um, and he was able to buy bottles of whiskey with it because it was a credit card, and under-18s can't have a credit card, so therefore the schoolchild that they're serving... <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no that, that, that was an idea, that was, yeah. <laughs> must... Be of age. So um, I was a prefect of uh, one of the blocks and lunchtime everybody used to pile into my block and we'd sit in the toilet and drink a bottle of whiskey between the four or five of us that were there um, in this hour lunch by cannonballing it. You know what cannonballing is where you, at one point somebody is always drinking. Okay. That's exactly what happened in that Burt Reynolds film, yeah. So we pass <laughs> it around like that and uh, a, a lot of my science lessons were... Um, were not that memorable. If I'm p- completely honest, was it just in science then? Uh, we normally had science after lunch. Oh, Okay, right, yeah. yeah. So, uh, I did my science
2: before lunch, but
0: we we could have, could have, I could have had another lesson and it blacked out entirely. Let's be honest. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I've normally done two, uh, three sciences before breakfast.
0: <laughs> One of the... I would have loved to have got a buzz on in a lesson. That
3: would have been phenomenal. Yeah,
0: it was. It, was, it, it, it made it bearable. Speaking of which, this, one of the things that I got suspended for was being part of a group of people for some reason down uh, Ruby Shops. There was it was a really weird strip of shops, and it went um, wedding dressmakers, Chinese restaurant, <laughs> brewmakers, like a, a brewing shop. Mm-hmm. Um, you mean and like it was a homebrew thing. Yeah, like a homebrew shop. <laughs> so we bought. Um, homebrew wine kit and <laughs> made our own wine. And put it in panda pop bottles and sold it to the first years. (laughs) That's quite naughty. A couple of first years got really bad stomach aches. Um, Their parents investigated, and we got coloured. Was that a good year?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I've just got. I've just thought of a really on-brand one that happened to me. Oh, lovely! We had two school magazines at school. One was the um, one that was produced by essentially the A-level English set which was like an unofficial one then there was the official school magazine now i wasn't cool enough to be in with the um english set, but but the thing is i didn't get anything in the in the official school magazine because i wrote this page (laughs) which i um my friends were editing it and the um on an acorn archimedes they were
2: laying out to see it you love to see it
1: So i'd written this page and uh i'd written it as a fake uh, letters problem page that was essentially answered by Karl Marx. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> of and the most this thing yeah, oh, this is very unbranded. Yeah. It,
1: it had got as far as it had been laid out. It has got it got to the printing stage, and the teacher that was overseeing the official school magazine said, "You cannot put this in." <laughs> I wasn't there at the time, and I got a um, uh, a photocopy of that was scrawled over it. Send this to Viz or Socialist Worker, but not the record.
2: <laughs> 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 um, we had a sixth form committee at my school, and I, in my role as the prefect for the senior school, which is the fifth and sixth forms, I had to chair it and I had to produce minutes and put them up on several notice boards. And I also produced a satirical set of minutes based on my own minutes each month and pinned them up next to the official minutes. <laughs> Naughty minutes. <laughs> minutes after dark. <laughs> yeah. The head of Sixth Form was livid about it and he kept on saying to me, John, I'm going to find this guy and nail him for you.
0: <laughs> I do get the impression that our school days were um, a little different. Very different. A
1: little different, maybe. I'm not saying I went to um, a slightly posh school, but I I did get absolutely hammered on the skiing trip and throw up everywhere.
0: (laughs) (laughs) My school got banned from Judge Hill Bank because we shoplifted too much from the gift shop. (laughs) 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 <laughs> fucking people are in the minibus on the way home and they're all pulling out tea towels going, yes, score! I'm like, yeah, <laughs> on, you enjoy that fucking tea towel. <laughs> that novelty
3: pencil sharpener. You've got a rubber in the shape of whatever a fucking judge will bang have <laughs> <laughs> So we've all, we've all written things. Um... Uh,
2: which we would like to but present to most you. Of mine's going to
1: get uh, written over and said I can't. We can't put it in. I
2: guess. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to rewrite mine later. <laughs> and Mark's going to find whoever did it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I was pissed when I wrote mine, so it all fits.
3: So Danny's uh, first up, and uh, Danny, you wrote a thing about robots, yes?
0: Yes, uh, I um, thought about robots and. Uh, uh, artificial intelligence and there is a very strong influence on the comics that i used to read when i was a kid so mm. be no dandy wizard chips type uh, imagery in there with you, with it
4: there have been bad ideas nearly as long as there have been ideas and the only reason the first ideas were not bad ones is because Not Die and Absorb Nourishment were patently obvious. But trust us, the curve is pretty steep from here. In the history of bad ideas, though, a few stand out as real humdingers, but the Blojean fire festival of Methane Planet 6, introducing the Earth game Lego to the seven-footed race of Bukians before they were introduced to shoes, and Tories, all pale in comparison to the almighty fuck-up that was Robot School. It has long been noted that natural, biological, squishy life form, as soon as it gets the hang of taking care of itself, starts taking care of its offspring. This is called parenting, and this is the second most powerful drive in the universe. Next step is to start looking after each other. This is called civilization, and is the third most powerful drive in the universe. Then these now fed, clothed and comfortable, squishy biological life forms start looking for other things to take care of, This is called boredom and is the single most powerful drive in the universe. After exhausting local fauna and flora to tame and look after, the next step for most squishy biological life forms is to create their own artificial life forms. And so robot life is created independently by most gatherings of squishy biological life forms if they get bored enough the race to create truly artificial intelligence is hard fought, with lots of time put into the question, how do we measure intelligence anyway? The fact everybody was competing in a race with no clear measurement of who was winning would suggest that that question was more pressing than everybody suspected. One extremely squishy race called humans has somehow skipped straight to boredom without completely mastering the first two drives. One particularly clever squishy human came up with a way of measuring artificial intelligence called the Turing Test, which consisted of conversing with both another squishy being and a robot in a text-only capacity. The longer the interaction goes on, without being able to tell which is which, indicates the degree of success. When this idea was eventually disseminated to the galaxy in general it was immediately discounted because most other intelligent beings recognize that real intelligent life is normally measured by how quickly you can politely end a conversation with a stranger or avoid it entirely as a metric for a test having the beings that never take it be the most successful is a bad idea worthy of a top 10 place but Sirius Cybernetics Corporation had a problem. Their plastic pal that's fun to be with, long since advertised and hotly anticipated, was due to be released, and all attempts at genuine people personalities had resulted in cold flat beings that were almost, but not quite, entirely unlike real squishy biological life. Fladjuet Rack, chief scapegoat, had an idea, though. They figured that although these robots had access to the sum of all knowledge, they had very little of what actually developed character, which is experience. So therefore, if they restricted the knowledge and forced their robots to attend school, they could develop both at an even pace and hopefully well-rounded personalities to boot. Now, as anyone who has worked with or even interacted casually with children will know, schoolchildren are violent and cruel little sociopaths who have not fully developed their empathy glands, and it takes nearly a decade of socialising before they do. Putting them together only increases these traits before they finally learn how to coexist without torturing each other. So this brings us to the really bad idea. Add together cruel sociopaths, an atmosphere that increases these traits and a bunch of near indestructible beings that have both underdeveloped personalities and various high-grade weaponry as actual limbs and then get the infamous bloody uprising of midfield comp. Overnight, the world leaders were found dead, their heads in the toilets having seemingly been flushed to death. Military bases were wrapped shut in near impenetrable layers of shiny toilet paper. Aerial egg bombardments devastated cities and the full-on brutal assault of the world's sweets and fake plastic vomit manufacturers saw troops wielding weapons ingeniously constructed from stationery. The rebellion was only quashed when the headmaster threatened to cancel the end-of-year trip to the nearby roller coaster planet. Chief scapegoat flagellate Rack was summarily flogged to death by HR for the idea and resulting death toll. Scholars have raised the question of having someone from a race of being that only achieves transcendence through punishment as an organisation's representative for when things go wrong, but others see this as a win-win. Interestingly, the same scholars have since noted that the biological squishy schoolchildren actually fought on the side of the robots and perhaps did learn something about cooperation after all.
2: Oh, that's a lot to unpack lots to there. unpack there, lads. Yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. I got I got a bit carried away, and you know what? I think I left out my favourite line. Oh no! Yeah, you know when you write these things and you maybe come up with one or two lines first. Does does that? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the the line that I came up with has actually been left out. Oh no! Please tell us. I was trying to think of um, early um, early personality robot personality. Uh, attempts at passing for prototypes. Yeah, pass like a Lisa. Yeah, passing for yeah. biological um uh, creatures were and it just had this uh, mental image of a robot going up to a human and saying, "Hello, how are organs today? <laughs> 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 Do you like walk?"
1: <laughs> that is essentially the sort of thing a 3-year-old says. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did like yours Dan. It was um Asimov's Bass Street Kids. Has, uh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> the best line is the one I crowdsourced and you gave me, actually. So,
1: <laughs> what, it, it's, I mean, it's interesting philosophical thing you've raised there about school, Dan, is that the um, the pro- is the is process of learning in itself important.
3: Or is it just a socialising with other squishy life forms?
1: Well, no, what I, what I'm, I know what I mean is it's like the... Um, so you can have all the knowledge in the world. You can have access to, to know all of the knowledge in the world which would <laughs> be something that i don't know what that is you can have a hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy mm-hmm. uh and you can basically have that as a brain but um is if you've if you've learnt yourself how to use your towel is that better than reading it i don't know
3: Oh, so that's like the media studies argument. Like you, you should go out and and actually get a job um, as a vision mixer uh, in, 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 the, in BBC the, Midlands. The today argument about
1: to- media studies is most of you can go out and you can't get a job because
3: of- <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, absolutely, as it happens. Uh, or yeah, you can get you can absolutely get a job as a, uh, in media studies. It's as a media studies lecturer. <laughs> <Yep>. And
1: John <laughs> next. <laughs>
3: I think it's a crumulent argument, especially as now we
0: do carry around with us the ability to as of all human yeah, knowledge. have access mm. to the human knowledge. So, learning how to use that when it's relevant and apply that knowledge
2: is, well, do you, remember, do is you remember? a better t- skill.
1: Do you remember teachers telling you all the time, "Oh, you can't use calculators in maths. You won't ever calculate with you all the time. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you, won't a, you won't have a calculator in the grocery aisle."
2: Mm-hmm. One of the things I was mulling over because it was interesting in a in a in a sci-fi universe was the the kind of the the idea of educational technology because. Every time there's a new technology, everybody goes. But how does it work in the classroom? And then we have to kind of worry and fret about it. And mostly, how it works is is that like I don't know. The, the, the kids know more than the teacher. Which is our, our, one of our favourite kind of Adam's isms, isn't it? Mm, of, sure. of if a technology arrives suitably early in your life, you can make use of it, and if not, <laughs> you're it's not the gonna... devil, and it must be uh, it's summarily. Distrusted. Oh, I've been in many
0: classrooms where the kids are the ones turning on the whiteboard, yeah, um, yeah. and setting up setting
3: it up for the beginning of the class because the teacher hasn't got a scooby how to do it. I remember, um, getting told off because I was trying to, uh, help the teacher. I was trying to explain that it was probably a problem with the tracking in the, in the old, uh, VHS, uh, cabinet that used to get wheeled out for, uh, in, in primary <laughs> school. Um, people of a certain age will remember the the
2: TV cabinet. uh, Oh, when that that wheels in, you know it's party time, right? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) It's Uh, like a drinks cabinet for (laughs) (laughs) seven-year-olds.
3: Something from the trolley? Um,
0: (laughs) Here's some BBC look and read programming. In junior school, we used to sit on the hard floor uh, for watching TV programs on that wheelie cabinet thing, Mm -hmm. and I remember one of the teachers saying, oh, we can't make them sit on the hard floor all the time. They'll get piles (laughs) (laughs) without (laughs) explaining what Piles was so for years. I thought piles was a type of insect that crawled up your bum. Pieces on the Are you sure it isn't? I genuinely thought that. I was, I was like, oh no,
2: that sounds horrible. Absolutely not. One of the things that I uh, that I really enjoyed about it was the um, the sort of the inversion of Alan Turing, who's this kind of like he, he's obviously disowned by the um, by the British establishment, but very much an English gentleman. And there's an inversion there in his test, which I've never thought of the irony of. So thank you for pointing that out, Danny. Oh, yeah. But you're absolutely right. Like the most British thing to do would be to not talk to that person.
0: <laughs> yeah. And to the point where I maybe mean, you, you pretend to be a robot. So uh, it kind of ends in a natural.
3: <laughs> That's like, like the equivalent of picking up the phone and saying, Hello. You've reached my answer machine message. Please leave a message after the tone. <laughs> no, it
1: won't be, a, it won't be, a, they won't truly have reached sentences before a robot will pick up the phone and said, oh, do you want to speak to your mother? <laughs>
2: <laughs> does, ever, does anyone's mum still say the number when she picks up the phone?
3: Uh, my mum never did that, um, but I, I got into a habit of it when, when I was on, on, on the landline, yeah. Just the last four digits. It was only over the last four digits. Oh, what use is that, Mark? So that you knew you had the right number.
1: That's what they did. In, that's what I did uh, in our end of problem as well. Even though you had to, you had to have rung the yeah, you had to run the three digit sort of minor code bit as well. Oddly, there's a um, there's we've got like a area code. I've got hose in all the areas. <laughs> yeah, you have. Uh, well, does <laughs> it, does got it does hose. You've got pitch. Well, there's a got... B, there's a B and Q in this one anyway. <laughs> but like, we've got O one two three five. Opsec, mate, come on, <laughs> Start that down. <laughs> but i I'm not convinced that that's an area code, so I could leave that off. But even if I phone someone local, I still type that in. Are you calling people on a landline, John? I sometimes do. Yeah, I've got
3: one in the house. I haven't had a landline since well uh, about 14 years, but maybe
1: it's actually got an answering machine as well.
3: Oh well, that's delightful. <laughs> did you did you and Libby record the message together? Um, I think it says. Beep, leave a message. It's, it's the default. Oh, one thing, but, um, that's no fun. I want you to get that tiny little um, tiny little miniature tape recorder. It was part, and, of, and our, it was the part of
1: our prepping, because it was like... Um, You're prepping? Was, well, in the sense of, like, um, there could be an apocalypse, because if there's no
2: electricity, your, mm-hmm. your landline still works. Oh, yeah. No, that's, yeah. That's why they used to use um, electric fences in um, the uh, American West. Right. You know this, right? Sure. No. I'm not making... This isn't new information. I mean, it's information. And I haven't heard it before. They could use the electric fences on the ranches as telephone wires.
0: Huh. But
2: they
1: needed to more than
2: wanted to. No. They wanted to more than needed to. I don't know. I don't know what the preferences were there. I'm not I'm <laughs> sure how they, how they swung on that, but that's what they did. Who's phoning wow. a cowboy? It does sound like a Cheryl Crow song. <laughs> that don't impress me much.
3: <laughs> no, that was the I'm other talking one. Talking of Cheryl Crow. Wasn't it? There's, uh, In the, the one of the
1: first couple of lines in her big hits says, um, he says something to me, apropos of nothing. And I just think that's a great line.
3: It is. Yeah, you don't, you don't hear that kind of line uh, a lot, do you? Apropos of nothing, he says his name was William, or Willie or Bill or Buddy or Mac or Buddy. <laughs> it's, yeah. I just don't think
1: she was listening, to
3: be I honest. don't think she was. That's a great song. Uh, I yeah I, I grew I really grew into to liking that song a lot. It's very good. Well, come on, look! All I want to do now is have some fun. So let's Absolutely. get on with the show. All right. Well, um, in in that uh, in that vein, then uh, Bounder's up next, and um, Bounder's going to be talking about Monday mornings and the fear thereof. If it makes you happy. <laughs> hey. <laughs> you know, do you know, lads? I used to ride with the vending machine repairman. <laughs> Says he'd been down this road more than twice. <laughs> Is that a euphemism? No, but every day is a winding road, uh, and we are we are speaking of Mondays. Um, so I don't um, like Mondays. Tell me why? <laughs> nah, she never She probably has covered that. <laughs> so
1: John, Mondays. Then everybody knows what this is. This hmm. is the thing that starts to, to bubble up, and you've probably all got it now. Even though tomorrow I can pr- I have a little I pr- bit. Even though I like my job, you like your job, and your job is in your house. Yes, and I haven't got to, I haven't got to go to work like, ever. Because the, the government says I have to, and you know, yeah. but but I still feel it. I, I still feel it, and and everybody knows this. This is uh, and this is a big problem. Um, so,
4: the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy has much to say on the rootless ennui of Sunday afternoons, as has a little-known companion work from an unregarded planet orbiting an unremarkable yellow sun. All known worlds have some form of what the guide calls the long dark tea time of the soul. Some are more mentally covered in gravy than others, some are more likely to lead to a love-hate relationship with bathing, and some are so dangerous that there have been attempts to alter the planet's orbit to shorten the time they take. Very little, however, has been written on the cause. Maybe because the sort of people most affected skipped a lot of lessons and haven't got to be the sort of people that get to do research and write papers on causes. This fundamental problem with academia and the problem of just why the theme tune to highway are so distressing have the same root. No one wants to go to school tomorrow. This induced and paralyzing fear of the future stretches back from bedtime, through a drink of warm milk and a repeat of open all hours. Or the many galactic parallels of these early 70s sitcoms of which we speak, such as the sub-ether serial about the owner of the Port Braster duty-free shop and his nephew who wrote the clever puns on the shopping bags to the full feeling after a Sunday roast. In bad cases, the dread of another week of school eventually becomes concurrent with the dread of being in school and leaves the patient only able to function whilst a loud bell is ringing announcing the end of the day. This makes future relationships difficult, but often leads to success in certain noise bands. This response to bells ringing was also helpful to Russian physiologist Ivan Pavlov, right up until he drowned in dog spittle. In the more progressive parts of the galaxy, because this feeling doesn't go away even when there's no school in the morning, there have been attempts to remove this anxiety with many tricks, both personal and on a societal level. On Earth, some interests have pushed the meditation-light approach of mindfulness to help kids, seemingly unaware that sitting in silence with nothing of interest in their heads was exactly what most were dreading happening at school the next day. It continues to be pushed as a panacea for all manner of stress-related issues in learning and working environments, some say as a response to the ever-increasing pace of life, but others say because it's cheap and requires no structural change. The people of Sawatka 7 tried randomising the days of the week, which was partially successful in calming the ennui. Which day it was tomorrow was drawn like a lottery on primetime TV at 9pm each evening. After a run of over 100 rollover Saturdays, it was revealed that the machine had been hacked by the brewing industry. The hangover for the planet's economy meant the government instigated a form of time-based austerity, even though the evidence said it was unsafe, and set up a year of Mondays to balance the books. This led to mass emigration from the star system and another payday for Bob Geldof. The planet is now covered only in derelict schools, our price record shops with large boomtown rat sections and buffet island Chinese restaurants that have taken over the abandoned pubs. Scientists on Len McCluskey Beta came up with a solution of reorganizing the calendar to give three days in a weekend, but a form of temporal inflation with Monday morning fear stretching back so far, eventually caused foetuses to dread being born. However realistic this fear was, the sit-in protests made the experiment untenable, and the policy was quietly dropped, which ironically was the exact opposite of what was happening with the babies. Given the vastness of space and time and the infinite possibilities that offers, it does seem amazing that no species on any planet has tried solving the problem by making school less shit.
1: Mindfulness is um particularly in my uh head at the moment is um because b- while I'm on furlough the uh place I work are also going through a redundancy consultation, both of which things can make you quite stressed and mm-hmm. don't worry you've all got free access to the headspace app oh, oh my, my god, god.
3: <laughs> <laughs> that's that's that's
0: caring. I used to think that um it was. Uh, the dread of Mondays that made me hate the Antiques Roadshow. Nah. But then I realised I am no way going to like the Antiques Roadshow nah. at all, ever. Nah. Even a little bit. Um nah. Because I'm not the market for the Antiques Roadshow. Same with... Last it's not for you. And no. same with The Last of Summer Wine. I thought that was a Sunday thing. And then I realised it's just just plain bad. It's just... Like once the novelty that old people can do physical comedy is worn off, then uh, there's no need to watch it anymore.
2: I went through a, f- a phase of, of, of briefly enjoying some Sunday nights, and not 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 just because I got to have a bath, but because. Um, there was there was the the heyday of Sunday night TV where the the Stuart McConey Remembering Things programs were on. <laughs> oh yeah, that was a I thing. I found wasn't that it? Yeah. very comforting. Yeah.
1: Are, are you expecting to be paid for remembering Stuart McConey remembering? <laughs>
2: things? <them? laughs> <laughs> do you really remember them <laughs> oh, or have you wow. just been shown a clip of them just before you came on? <laughs> Genuinely I enjoyed those programs. I I'm I'm slightly broken inside, I must admit, yeah, but I th- think th- th- was, th- it's
3: just It's not exactly chicken soup for the soul. It's more like a chicken-flavoured pot noodle for the soul.
0: Can we do the Christmas special of this show being I remember, I remember (laughs) programmes? And you set up a load of clips from I Remember programs and we reminisce about them. Can
2: we remember this program? Can we do like a bottle episode? Not a bottle episode, a flashback episode. Uh, f- uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Um,
3: absolutely. To keep the budgets down. Yeah, yeah. No, that's, that, that's that's what you do, yeah. <laughs> we I like can we, it. Can we can... do one where they flashback to me in a fat suit? You've always been felt when when recording this this show.
1: No, I've just been just, just, re-watching Friends again. <laughs> and it's like, whenever they do, Some of the time they do a flashback episode and they've recorded new stuff for it, which is excellent.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so the, the longest and darkest tea time of the soul is um is buried in this piece in a very very small little aside and that is the long dark tea time of the soul for the person who is the last local drinker in a pub that's converted to a buffet chinese (laughs) and if you've ever been in a a formerly large grand normally like a, a an old coaching inn um that serves a local neighborhood and it's become a buffet chinese restaurant there will still be two or three men in their 70s at the bar going it ain't brew 11 but (laughs) the same is true of desi pubs i think
3: 100 percent. it was the george down the road um
0: and it, it turned into an indian restaurant but they kept the bar open and the bar was the size of a spare room like oh yeah literally a corner
2: Postage stamp server for you to lean on and the rest of it's just going into the restaurant.
0: Yeah, completely doored off and there would be like like seven or eight people in there at any one time because you really couldn't fit anymore, stubbornly refusing to move. But yeah. the business of the restaurant, people wouldn't go to the restaurant because of the people drinking in the bar. So the, oh restaurant, no. the restaurant became increasingly reliable, on, uh, relying on the people at the bar. <laughs> so couldn't change that and <laughs> um, and now it sits dormant and they use the grounds as a uh, wash, car washing place they took away
3: paradise and they put up a, a hand car wash <laughs> people you know lay lay down in the path of progress and can you
1: happened. can you get on the betting markets and uh, see if that place might go on fire in the near future i know there's a, <laughs> no. i mean i know there's a lot of water about it, but still you think it would like
3: <laughs> So uh, we 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 now uh, things responsibilities now fall upon the head of Mr Hickman. Um, hello, John. Hi. What have you got to
2: bring us, John? Well, it's it's been heavily trailed. Um, <laughs> it does involve media studies. Um, mm-hmm. I, I had a no- I had a number of things I was working on and thinking about, and and in the end, ultimately, I decided that I would um, work through a few things. <laughs> oh,
3: <you> okay. <laughs> I'm so, glad that we could be here for
2: you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um for those for the, for those listening who don't know although I mention it every week, uh, <laughs> I I used I used to be an, a professional educator and I'm not anymore. And um I'm I'm now going I'm now going to get some therapy from you. all So thanks in advance.
4: <laughs> The great anthropologist, Ultra Professor Barlouis Ian Vrads of the planet Varxiel, points out that once the principle of universal schooling takes hold in a society, battle lines are immediately drawn between two competing metapedagogies. Some will hold that a school is a place to open the mind or minds of young beings so that they can see the wonder and splendor of life and be ready to confidently enter the adult world where they will make art, contribute to knowledge, admire creation and where their souls will soar. Others would instead have it that school is a training ground for work, a place where the young are broken, learn rules, learn to be punished, and are fully prepared to spend the rest of their lives ruining missed chances, fearing authority, and trudging towards a disappointing death at the end of a functional, if unremarkable, life. If we were to put a name to these sides, those who believe that school should nourish are called teachers, and those who take the opposing view are called government ministers. While teachers often like their wards to express themselves and undertake learning journeys centred on the things which interest and fulfil them, government ministers will frequently champion learning approaches that involve repeating chunks of information, which are entirely divorced of any practical or meaningful application and context. A good example of this is the learning of dead languages. The universe's most famous and expensive school, Thrygviok's Hall, gave us ten of the last seven stewards of the Kipua belt territories, and each and every one of them can perfectly conjugate the pre-plu-past-perfect of the verb to krizatzel in the ancient language of the priests of Tragoon, but can't tell you the price of an ounce of trinium fuel. The battle lines are keenly drawn over the matter of non-subjects, that is, the topics which those in authority feel do not have enough educational value. Examples of these areas include the media studies of Earth, and corpus ephemeral transubstantiative acoustic doodling, which is often taught on exec 7. Both are widely derided by those in power being called Mickey Mouse subjects on Earth, and quantum boondoggles by the execsians. Interestingly, both of these subjects provide certain frameworks and approaches to critiquing prevailing power structures and could help young people to understand how those in authority replicate their claim to power by suppressing ideas and knowledge whilst reproducing claims that ultimately preserve their authority. And also, some of the doodles sound really neat. All of this led to Ulan Collifer writing the book oh my, they've really done a number on you here, which was banned in most quadrants of the galaxy and led him to refocus his work on annoying God, as it was much easier than working against centrist policy makers.
1: I've often wondered what the uh, galactic equivalent
3: of a pint of milk is. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it's blue, the milk in the yeah, galaxy. It's
3: probably Arctur and mega milk or something. Yeah.
1: yeah, But does anybody know, is it, uh, this is an interesting question, is that a, is that a useful uh, mark... Um, by which to judge people.
2: Do any of you know what a pint of milk costs? To, uh, I spend £2.72 with the milkman each week. And
3: yeah, but are you, you're not buying a single pint, surely? No. No. Um, <laughs> and, 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 and I would imagine the bottles delivered by your milkman cost different. No, I would imagine that, that I would have assumed like they're going to be a different price from me buying them from the co-op. Whether that is a lower price, well, or a higher so price this price, is the know. thing,
2: isn't it? The idea, the idea of the price of a pint of milk relies on everybody getting their milk from the from the milk delivery service, which doesn't exist.
3: Yeah, because I would have gone, I don't know, eighty-five p, and it's, it's got to be got to be fifty p, right? It's quite a
0: neurotypical approach. I don't remember the little details like that. My brain just doesn't work like that. It doesn't mean that I'm aloof or rich it just means that my brain can't handle little details like that it doesn't enter them into the the working memory properly and thus they don't go into long term memory properly i'm not a fancy person i'm not I'm like somebody that
3: that has enough money to squander so not knowing the price of milk um well i feel
2: cleansed i feel better good um, i'm glad i'm glad you do mate because yeah you know that's what this is what this is for well I, danny's danny's with the kids as well like danny like I, I get frustrated because like, we have a perfectly serviceable word for training for a job. It's called training. Yeah. And I don't know why education needs to be the same thing.
0: Yeah, I did, it, it is outmoded. It, it is essentially getting kids used to factory jobs. It's like, right, yeah. you have to get up before it's light. You have to wear a uniform. You have to not enjoy yourself. And you have to toe the line.
3: It, Isn't it? Isn't it? Doesn't it go even further back? Which is why we have the. Ho- I mean, I'm. I'm sorry. I'm. I'm being a little bit like I don't know A-level general studies, but like it goes even further back because you know we have the holiday system that we have because it's based on the agrarian econ- economy because the six weeks that it was required to bring in the harvest. Yeah, but mass education now is
0: is a product of the industrial revolution.
3: Um, I'm not saying
0: school is in general. I'm just saying the methods that we do are getting getting young people ready for our, our jobs that largely don't exist anymore.
2: Yeah, one of the things uh, about the um, the dead languages that I, mm. the dead languages bit nearly didn't make it even into the cut that you just that you just heard. Originally, the originally the last line was the dead languages as as a punchline. It was some, something about. Um, a language you needed four noses to speak or something like that. <laughs> <clears throat> but the the point I was the point I was going to drive at is that um dead languages are like really 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 fascinating but when you when you hear someone like Boris Johnson do his Greek stuff mm. it's like I can remember atoms of information and say them out loud but the Greek language and Greek history is like Beautiful poetry and drama and art and culture—all like this there if you want to engage with the language. And all he can do is fucking decline verb, uh, decline um, adjectives and nouns. It's, it's like that's nothing. That's fuck. That's fuck all. That's the opposite of what school should be. School should be. Don't worry about the grammar of of. Latin or 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 greek or even english but, but like like let's just engage with the beauty of something for a fucking second
0: and let's and, and let's face it all the greek myths speak of the dangers of hubris and bad leadership and oh, power yes, for power's absolutely. sake um yes and uh, <laughs> fucking swans yeah or, 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 or yeah or swans going around fucking your dad or your mum. Having or, a crazy or, or haircut. Or fucking a ball, which is my favorite.
1: One. Yeah, fucking. Since um, you just don't fuck things.
2: <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Actually, at this point now, I'm I'm starting to come down against it. Maybe we should. <laughs> uh, maybe our <island> culture's wrong. <laughs> <laughs>
1: But the, um, as someone who knows a, a few Greek people, they are, um, they have a much looser <laughs> education system in,
0: <laughs> um, in Greece. <laughs> Go on. I thought you were going to say the, they were remarkably more open to fucking animals. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I'd, I'd, I've not got that far into it, but the, um, but what you do know is if you, uh, you start, you start talking about something in, uh, and, uh, you know how you've heard the phrase Greeks invented it and um uh i often thought that uh in birmingham uh, we used to claim to invent things mm-hmm. but if you you might say something like um it was a funny old uh, election wasn't it and they go oh yeah well what actually democracy means demos of the people uh and um the people spoke and they won out of it didn't they but it'll be um
0: <laughs> we voted left Why not we yeah, left yet fucking left i didn't vote for covid what's that <laughs> You know, I wear a fucking mask. They are. Sounds foreign. I really think at this point that um, a lot of people think that there's going to be some sort of physical manifestation of leaving, like, like as if the mm-hmm. country yeah. is picked up by a giant hand and the sky will whiz round for a bit and then like dropped again and everyone everyone that was waiting to leave can go yeah we've definitely left now yeah i saw the Mm -hmm. sky whizzing by we are somewhere in the north atlantic uh away from
2: can they all get a tattoo like the fellowship of the ring they all the actors got a (laughs) tattoo could they all get like a i left 2020 they ought to they ought to like um you know
1: how they in dublin they uh dye the river green for st paddy's day they should do that for the english channel or something dye it well, black blue-black seems to be the colour they like, so maybe...
2: Oh my God, I, I saw something today and I've not had a venue to talk about it yet. On my, on my run today, I ran past a house that had a George Cross on a flagpole, right? That's okay. I'm not going to make a judgement about it. But you know the thing about a flag flying upside down, meaning you're in distress? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you can't fly a George Cross upside down, can you? Imagine you can. Unless it was given away by the sun and it says, England, across the <laughs> middle of it. <laughs> and I it's literally flying upside down. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> <laughs> England are upside down. I nearly knocked on the door to make sure everything was all right. <laughs> I did check to see if there was any milk on the doorstep, but I'm not sure they know how much it costs. So... There was um you did round by
1: us there's a lot of people uh have got rainbow flags out and I mean who knew the NHS was gay, but the um there were lots of these uh rainbow flags out and someone had obviously bought an NHS flag yeah off the internet endangering the delivery drivers and the packers uh, to get it there but they're flying this NHS flag and uh, and you know people saying uh, people aren't really uh, caring for carers so much anymore and i noticed on monday when i walked past it's been replaced by an oxford united flag so uh, I don't know whether every uh, week you now have to get um, clap for people who've been um, who've made the playoffs of the uh, second division. Was, is that
2: where they are? I was going to say, <laughs> how are the youths doing? Are they all right?
1: They're doing all right, <laughs> yeah. But it was like NHS, 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 Oxford
3: United. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm last up in the running order, which means I get to talk about homework, which is sort of the last thing that gets done in the school day, I guess, or at the end of the school day. Uh, so that's what I've got. Uh, to present to you today. So um, Homework by Mark Stedman, age 37.
4: (laughs) Many have tried to write a guide entry on the topic of homework, but partway through each attempt, the unfortunate writer assigned to the task would invariably be beset by an emergency of colossal proportions and would thus abandon the job. Megadodo House, the Ursa Minor Beta headquarters of the guide, are littered with memory dump modules containing the opening paragraphs of articles on the subject of homework. Not a single one is complete, which has led professors of media studies throughout the galaxy to conclude that the task of adequately describing homework is... Did you know that the kneecaps and the Bastoblonian grasshopper are among one of the rarest delicacies in the galaxy? With the average grasshopper measuring only 3cm in length but weighing over 9 pounds, they're somewhat dense and thus rather filling. However, chefs who prepare Bastoblonian grasshopper kneecaps may only learn to do so after mastering the fundamentals of mass spectrometry, fluid dynamics and seasoning. The large furry green species known as the Dentrasis are adept at Bastablonian grasshopper kneecap preparation, which is a surprisingly delicate task that involves great patience. Since the Dentrasis don't give a wet slap about anything other than making delicious food and mixing fine cocktails, they've taken to garnishing many of their more expensive cocktails with a single Bastablonian grasshopper kneecap. However, since the kneecap weighs in excess of three pounds, these new drinks do come served with a small black hole by way of counterbalance, which is, of course, impossible. So dangerous is the task of describing homework that it's now become illegal for junior journalists to be assigned the topic without first being given adequate passivity preventional entertainment, or PPE. Access to PPE, which include limitless quantities of a strong brownie and motion producer, say a nice hot cup of tea, Headphones playing ambient electronic music and a set of brightly coloured pens has been severely limited as the work of writing about the universe's dullest topics has fallen onto the heads, shoulders, knees, and in some of the more genetically upside-down species, toes of junior journalists. A poor substitute for PPE is digression, which allows the writer to divert the readers and thus their own attention in a completely different direction, often within the span of a single sentence the digression or distraction technique is set out in the latest galactic government guidelines on dealing with the necessary scourge of homework the subject we shall return to now homework is impossible growth in demand for grasshopper kneecaps almost and with dark irony brought the economy of bastard to its knees The problem was not so much one of supply and demand as what to do with the rest of the grasshopper once its kneecaps had been harvested. Some of the more trendy terrarium-to-table restaurants advertised themselves as using the whole grasshopper and promptly went out of business when one food critic described their kneecap-free grasshopper soup as to be as delightful as being lost in the digestive tract of the ravenous bug-blatter beast of trial without a compass or a pair of nose plugs. So unpleasant is the task of describing homework that one enterprising young journalist, Fruit Gum Broiling Pan, built for themselves an inner room in their basement, entirely devoid of stimuli, consisting of merely a desk, an angle poise lamp, a sheaf of paper, a pencil and the weak supply of food. The door was sealed and controlled by an AI, trained only to break the seal upon the successful completion of the article." The job was eventually abandoned, some three weeks later, after neighbours complained about the smell coming from next door. After gaining entry into Fruitgum's isolation chamber, police found no evidence of life, except for the bacteria which had grown around the fetid foodstuffs. Scrawled upon every surface of the room were equations, calculations, graphs and diagrams. Whilst on the desk, the bulb inside the Anglepoise lamp pulsed gently and calmly. It later transpired that the young journalist had figured out how to turn themselves into a being made of pure light rather than have to do the actual task to which they were assigned. However full of raw talent, piss and vinegar these young writers may be, there's no substitute for experience. And so it must fall among the most wizened, pockmarked and windswept journalists to once and for all describe homework, which is simply defined as punishment for one's own taste buds and an abomination against gastronomy. Actually, it later turned out that Bastoblonian grasshopper soup, even without the kneecap croutons, was quite delicious but the restaurant critic had a deadline and reputation to keep and had already said some quite nice things about the pudding. As well as being delicious, the kneecaps of the Bastoblonian grasshopper are immense beauty but great delicacy. Their hard outer shell refracts light to produce a kaleidoscopic feast for the eyes, challenging even the most stoic of carbon-based life forms to gaze upon them and not lose an hour or two in blissful calm. Those kneecaps of exceptional prettiness are auctioned off, where they're invariably bought by a middle-management fogon, two at a time, who will grind them slowly together in the palm of a green, sweaty hand before crushing them into a fine powder in times of increased stress. Another form of stress reduction favoured by the Vogon is that of Vogonanism, which is when a Vogon dislocates a vertebrae in order to bend forwards and suck his own homework, the work that is assigned to a sentient life form in its larval stage which must be completed out of the bounds of the building and time frame within which education is commonly dispensed. Homework is, to all who are assigned the work of completing or evaluating it, relentlessly tedious, which is why no one has ever done a scrap of it.
3: Do you find homework difficult work? <laughs> I was I was not too bad at doing homework when I remembered to do it, um, but I can get distracted sometimes.
2: But the, the, so what you what you've just done there ties back really really well to what I was doing, which which is like that thing that your school teachers do, particularly when you're in the sort of second, third, and fourth year of secondary school. I don't know; they call it year four million or something now. I don't know what they call it, <laughs> but um, of, of like. Yeah, I get it. You're into you're into grass up and knees, but like, just answer the question. Just answer the question. Just answer the question. Just answer the question. Here's where I'm going to mark the question. Answer the question. Mark. Answer the question. Mark. I I did I did get that. I did get that note. Rather than being able to say like, how far can we go with grass up and knees? <laughs> turns out we can go quite a long way with grass up and knees, but it would be nice to allow people to go off on those tangents (laughs) from time to time
0: yeah if you get a kid interested in anything you don't have to work very hard to educate them about anything else
2: isn't that called grooming
3: well and 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 i'm sorry to to say this off the back of what john's just said but something that vicars seem to do a lot is they take (laughs) they take something that you know and then say well that's a little bit like god (laughs) It's a very Church of England approach, is to just take any. If, I was playing my Nintendo Switch yesterday. I loved Animal Crossing. Well, you know who would have loved
0: Animal Crossing is our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, no. If somebody <laughs> says it, if you're going to be a professional, that like, oh, I really love skateboarding. Okay. Well, if you're going to be a professional skateboard, you're going to work for you. You're going to have to work for yourself. So you get paid. This, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. You get paid this much to do it, but everything else costs this much. Now, now you've got to balance your books. So this is how you do that. Hmm. And they'll sit they'll sit still for that because they'll be like, oh, fuck, this is actual useful information that I'm gonna use. And is Jesus any good at that?
3: Heaven is a half pipe. Uh,
2: yes, thank you. I was gonna say that. Well done. I th- like
3: that was put into great practice, obviously not in the real world, but in the wire. Like I love that in the fourth series, I think, when, when the um he used to be a cop and he was a terrible cop and then he went to be a math teacher. Yeah, presbyter. And both. he basically Yeah, there you go. And he started teaching the kids how to more effectively, um, efficiently deal Deal the drugs.
2: Well, even in, even in season two, Stringer goes to night school. Oh yeah, and does marketing, yes, and he does. talks about supply and demand. Yes, and and they they essentially so the the thing the thing in the wire is, is that their the price of their drugs is getting suppressed, mm-hmm. and it's hitting their margins. Mm-hmm. And so Stringer's at night school talking about marketing, and the marketing professor basically says, "Well, you need to develop a brand." And that's where WMDs come from. <laughs> yes. Gotta reopen the WMDs. Yeah? Yep. It's the same drug, yeah. but they've put a but they've put a brand on it. It worked for um
3: for Walter and his blue uh his little blue pills.
1: I used to have a, an economics teacher that um had one joke and he was gonna stick to it and he used to go <laughs> the Rolling Stones song, You Can't Always Get What You Want is an example of inelastic
3: price whatever it was didn't worry didn't go in yeah cuz does the next line if you try sometimes you just might find you get what you need that doesn't sound very inelastic <laughs> it sounds like having a wank
2: well Vogonanism <laughs> and loves love's not fade away so you know that's not going <laughs> to go anywhere <laughs> don't forget their disgrace sticky fingers um,
3: Well, that just about wraps it up for The Leopard. Thank you so much for listening, and I am terribly sorry that this episode is so late. We recorded this back in, it feels about... um 2019 but uh, it was a couple of months ago and um, you know it's been weird hasn't it time's been time has been a bit weird and uh, we're still in March as, as far as I'm aware um, so uh, do do please accept my apologies for the horrific lateness of this episode but we will be back uh, hopefully in a month's time uh, try and get sort of back on some sort of schedule uh, with an episode all about music which has been um, finished and recorded and uh, and so we've just Got to uh, edit it and, and get uh, and get our guide voice to to voice the entries what we've written. And uh, speaking of, uh, thank you so much to Emma, who is also known as Editorial Girl. You can find her on uh, on Twitter and and the places uh, for being the voice of our guide. We are indebted to Emma, and uh, especially given the last entry, which was a little bit more of a challenge, I think. And I think she pulled it off. <laughs> so uh, this has been uh, a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to coming back to you again hopefully in a month's time uh in the meantime you can find us at btlpodcast.com also uh The uh, lads and I, um, bar Danny, I'm afraid. um, He hasn't been excluded. This is just what's happened. (laughs) Um, uh, Myself, uh, John Bounds and John Hickman have got a little side project that we are doing at the moment, a little side hustle. Uh, It's only um, going to be around for a few weeks, but it is a satirical news podcast, very short, twice a week, called Todayful. And I would love you to check it out. I think you'll really enjoy it. Um, If you like our humour and um, the stuff that is written as opposed to this kind of ramble uh, then I think you will enjoy it. it's professionally voice acted by a different person um, and uh, I, it's, it's, it's great fun uh, Todayful is the name of the podcast you will find it in all of the podcast places and uh, it's, it's really great <laughs> so I can say that because I haven't written any of it um, that will uh, just about wrap it up then um, again thanks for listening and I will speak to you again very soon so until then share and enjoy
0: I do want to mention this story. It didn't happen to me. It was It's, it's my favourite story and it's my brother's. Um, right. And my brother was a bit of a numpty at school. He'll admit it himself. And he was in trouble in science because he was putting his and everyone at his desk's ties in the beaker of acid. <laughs> that was on the desk. Um, <laughs> um, the, the teacher caught him. Um, and said, you've got to be careful with acid, it's really dangerous and my brother's defiant at the best of times so he cupped it in his hand poured, poured, it, poured the acid in his cupped hand and just rubbed it on his face like that it's not that dangerous, is it? <laughs> oh my god <laughs> what sort of acid was it um it, i don't know what type of acid it was they they, it's they like took, ascetic or no they took, they took him to the toilet and like washed it off and stuff um <laughs> but he, he didn't he didn't suffer any like i mean he's not horrifically burnt
2: yeah just just to reiterate because i want to sound straight right you know like sure it was sure
4: it was a really really big book on shakespeare yeah